experienced in these blackouts, blackouts, stretches of time we can't account for. I'm going to have to be careful about what I say here, huh? Mm, yeah. The, the, the Narcos. Mio. <laughs> That's it. That's the opener right there. Welcome back, everybody, to another Lost Log. This is your Captain Jose Valle Jr., joined by my trusted co-host and first officer, Mr. Mason Schrader. Welcome back, Mason. Welcome Hello. to another Lost Log. Yeah. It's cold. Spook season is over, Mason. But is it? But is it? Never. It's never, never is. over. I feel like now, more than ever, it's spookier. Like it's colder. The trees are dead. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, maybe somewhere else. Not in California. Everything's still green. But it's cold. No, very, here very much, It's there was snow. There was a little mm. bit of snow the other day. Um, it See, was I, freezing. One of yeah. my favorite things, and I think we talked about this in the Christmas episode we did with Max, is ghost stories during the the winter like winter ghost stories i feel are really great and i feel like that's something that we've lost in modern like winter traditions mm. that people used yeah, to tell yeah. ghost stories because there's something yeah. i think inherently spooky about winter because everything's dead yeah um, well anyway this episode is actually a little bit late it was supposed to have come out right after um the day of the dead so it made a little more sense then um but who cares so today, Mason, we're going to be talking about uh, Mexican folklore. Um, just a, a couple different, uh, we've got three specific creatures or tales or legends uh, from it. Um, we definitely will have to cover some of these in, at full length, um, but those will probably be main show episodes. Today, we're just kind of taking a bird's eye view, you know? Sure. Yeah, yeah. And I may be a bit biased in saying this, but I, I, I feel that Mexican culture is very beautiful. From our music to our food to our colorful traditional garbs, celebrations, and customs, it's a very vibrant culture made up of numerous influences from the Mexica, the Mayans, and the Huicholes to the Spanish, Italian, and French. Mexico has a lot to offer, and I think it's precisely this diverse tapestry of cultures that's created such an intriguing field of lore. So, Well, both- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, I love tacos. Exactly. <laughs> I, what else Here's can you expect from me? I don't trust. If you're if you're a person that doesn't like tacos, I don't trust you. This mm-hmm. is a real quick aside. My coworker, uh, so who sometimes listens to the show. So if you're listening today, Dan, shout out to you. He was telling me that his family went to Idaho for his dad's graduation. His dad graduated from a school out there. I won't say which. Um, uh-huh. And they were in this tiny fucking Idaho town. And his sister went to go buy things to prepare burritos. They were going to have burritos that night. And she goes in and she asks the guy if he has any ground beef for burritos. And this guy, without batting a fucking eye, goes, what's a burrito? She's like, you're, you're joking, right? He's like, no, I've never never heard of that. She like explains what it is. And he's like, sounds good. 
She's like, how have you never heard of a burrito? He's like, well, I, I, I grew up here. My parents grew up here. I had never heard of a burrito. And it's good to know that there's still untapped uh, areas of civilization out there, Mason. I agree. Look, at Taco Bell, I'm just kidding. I do love a good... <laughs> I love a good. I do love Taco regular Bell. Taco. I was a hater of Taco Bell. I think maybe until I started smoking pot, and then I was like, "Oh mm. God, Taco Bell is delicious." Yeah, that's fair. Both new and old Mexican stories, wives' tales, and superstitions are as different and as vast as the stars in the sky. While some are passed down from our ancestors as cautionary tales used to keep children in line, others are so bizarre and strange that they seem to serve no purpose other than to just scare the shit out of you. And we're at an advantage during this episode, as most of the tales I will recite, I actually had the privilege of learning firsthand and coming to fear at a very young age. So with this little introduction out of the way, let's get into some Mexican folklore, Mason. Very exciting. Put on, oh, he's putting on a sombrero and a poncho. Mm -hmm. He's got Mm -hmm. some maracas. Okay, so I think you watched the British Bake Off episode, and now... Uh, Odele. <laughs> That's very good. Very good. Donde esta la, bibli- la biblioteca? We just watched that episode of Community. Me and my roommate are making him watch it. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Puedo ir al baño? Si. That's not an answer to that question. Yeah. What? Oh, shit, it is. It is. <laughs> you just asked why me did I think I... <laughs> Why did I think I knew better than you about that is what's insane about that is that I was like, you're dumb. Um, the funniest part is Mex- Mexican <laughs> Mason is actually the Mexican one today is in this That's- group. Little known o- fact. Hola. Hola. Mason Schrader is his last name. It's an mm. accent. On, you can't on even. E. My, my last name is so white. You can't, you can't even make you it can't, sound Mexican. <laughs> Shredador may be the closest Shradre. you can get. Shr- See, I can't. I can't. Yeah, Shredder. I well, so ever since I got my tongue, I can't. I can't roll my R's, but yeah, it's not yeah. great. So we're gonna be looking at three different legends, Mason. We're gonna be talking about La Llorona, which is probably one of the most recognizable ones. Heard Los Duendes that. or El Duende, um, and which are like goblins, gnomes. And uh, La Mano Peluda, or the hairy hand. And we'll get into, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Which, it, funnily enough, that was the one that held the biggest uh, fucking hold on me as a child. But we'll uh, talk that about. Does, sorry, that does remind me, the the third Spanish phrase I know is, Yo pongo los dedos en tu madre. I'm sorry, what did Which you is, say to me? <laughs> I put my fingers in your mom. That's my mom. Yep, that's yeah, yeah. That's the the uh, can I go to the bathroom? Where's the library? And I put my fingers in your mom. Those are the three. Please, God, use those three when you go to Mexico. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for sure. We're gonna just be looking at a little bit of a brief history, and then I've included some stories for each one. Uh, some that come from the internet, and some that come from me. So, let's get into it by the way everyone this is breaking news we've acquired a pod cat mason has bought a new kitten he is currently holding it for our video watchers his name is don't tell me don't tell me skull skeleton dan skeleton dan skeleton dan he's fucking adorable everybody we've we have a pod dog and a pod cat 
Next, we need a, a pod bird, but I don't really pod, like birds. Pod fish? I don't like birds Pod either. fish. We could do a pod fish. I used, to, I used to have a fish. His name was Chewy. He died right before this uh, podcast actually started. Rest in peace. Look at this. Look at this little guy. Full he's name so Chewbacca, tuckered. in case anybody was wondering. He's so tuckered. Oh, no. He's awake now. I thought he fell asleep. He oh, did. my God. All right. He's just chewing on my headphone cord. He won't stop. <laughs> Put him on the podcast. Put him on the mic. What does he have to say? <laughs> He's just going to town on He's that thing. He just wants to chew the shit out of my headphones. La Llorona quite literally translates to the weeping woman and is one of, if not the most popular and recognizable legends throughout the southwestern United States and Mexico. The tale has various retellings and origins, but... La Llorona is always described as a willowy, white figure who appears near the water wailing for her children. Sometimes she has no eyes, with two dark holes in their place, and other times she has a broken, gaping mouth. And I forgot to mention this, we will include all the sources that uh, we are using, because these are coming just directly from websites, um, and uh, we'll, we'll include those in the show notes. And they they actually made a La Llorona film. It's in the Conjuring universe. I still haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's what I'll do tonight. Mentions of La Llorona can be traced back over four centuries. Although the origins of the tale have been lost to time, she has been connected to the Aztecs as one of the ten omens predicting the conquest of Mexico or as a fearsome goddess. One such goddess often thought to serve as the inspiration for La Llorona is known as Chihuahua, and I definitely butcher that, so I'm sorry to my indigenous Mexican people. Uh, Sounded right to me. She's often referred, which that name translates to snake woman, uh, who has been described as a savage beast and an evil omen, who wears white, walks about at night, and constantly cries. And, Same. Yeah, I was gonna say that's uh sw- sw- switch the white to black, and that's just me. Yeah, 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 one hundred percent. I like to walk around at night and cry constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you with the claws in my goddamn knee? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Mason. Anyway, I thought you liked that. My bad. It's okay. Another goddess is that of, and this one is a little tough. Chalchuitleku. Chat. Anyway, I don't know if either one of those is right. Oh, it I, bears but, a striking resemblance to... Uh, um, uh, uh, shit, I forgot the name of those dogs. Oh, yeah. Chihuahua. Yes. Uh, or the jade-skirted one, who oversaw the waters and was greatly feared because she allegedly would drown people. And in order to honor her, the Aztecs would sacrifice their children. So it potentially has very ancient uh, origins as well. Like another origin story uh, coincides with the arrival of the Spanish in America back in the 16th century. So according to this version of the tale, La Llorona was actually La Malinche, which is a native woman who served as an interpreter, guide, and then later mistress to Hernán Cortés during his conquest of uh, Mexico. The conquistador left her after she gave birth and instead married a Spanish woman. Despised now by her people, it is said that La Malinche murdered Cortes's spawn in vengeance. 
Some have also drawn connections between La Llorona and the Banshees of Europe, or Medea from Greek mythology. Which, <clears throat> when I remember learning about Banshees, I was like, oh, it's very similar to La Llorona. Except, I feel like Banshees are a little bit more scary. That's fair. Because they just scream, you know? I don't like loud. I don't like loud things. One of the most popular, and I don't know what's happening with my voice today. I, I, I was at a club yesterday screaming, so I think that could be it. Mm, <clears throat> and I did have to sounds, work today. So it does kind of sound. Sexy. It, uh, thank you, Mason. Mm. One of the most popular versions of the tale features a stunning young peasant woman named Maria who married a wealthy man. In Mexico, there's two names, Jose and Maria, and my parents have those names. And I have one of I, those names. That's unfair to the... Juans and uh, yep, Jesuses of Mexico. And, yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so the couple lived happily for a time, and they had two children together before Maria's husband lost interest in her. It's regrettable. It happens. It's sad. Her husband... What? Sorry, did you just make excuses for no, the no, 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 no. I'm just saying it's a very common thing. That's okay. See, I'm digging myself like it, further into this hole. It seems, seems like you're like, look, it's I'm, fine. Sometimes you don't love the mother of your children anymore, and you just have to leave, and that's not that's not a problem. Oh, oh boy. How do I, I don't like what one? LA has done to you. <laughs> Me neither, man. Me <laughs> neither. Um, I'll tell you what LA has done to me is. And it was really nice to hear uh, Henry Zabrowski of the last podcast on the left reiterate this. It has made me, I think, a horrible driver in in the mm. sense that I am very petty and yeah. get incredible road rage now, more you than I were, ever have. Uh, you were nicer than me when we started this podcast. And now it's like I'm like, ha fun times. And you're like, well, why don't we Fuck murder him? And it's like, Jose. Relax. It's it's it's. I've New York and L.A. Man, they have a fucking effect on people. Uh, I don't take anyone's shit anymore. I li- it's so bad that yesterday we were leaving the club. Uh, there they were just these fucking. They were cops, but they were more mainly glorified security, and they're like basically ushering everybody out to their cars or whatever, being like, "All right, guys, you got to keep them moving." Anytime anyone says anything to me, I immediately go into fight. I'm like, "What is your fucking deal?" Like, I want, and so that like the cop are sitting there by these hot dogs stands. We had gone some hot dogs, our big group, and we were kind of blocking the way. But he's like, "Hey, you guys need to move. You're you're blocking the path." And I was like, "And?" And our friends were like, "No, that's no, fine. We'll move." And I was like, "No, who the fuck is this guy?" Like, what? And I then remember I like, when you caught didn't... myself, and I was like, "Yeah, whoa." I'm like, "This guy." I remember. A gun. <laughs> A time when you didn't drink, and now you're fighting cops next to I wasn't to even drunk. Fans? That's the thing, is I didn't... Uh, anyway. Wild. Um, so, her husband would be out most nights, uh, sometimes disappearing for days, returning only to greet his children. Uh, one day, while walking by the river with her two children, Maria caught sight of her husband riding by in his carriage, accompanied by a pretty young woman. Her husband stopped, greeted his children, and ignored Maria moving forward with the woman. In a fit of rage, Maria flung her two children into the river and drowned them both. When anger subsided and she realized what she had done, she succumbed to a very profound grief that she spent the next, the rest of her days wailing by the river in search of her children, growing frail and thin, her white dress becoming tattered and torn until she eventually died. And now her ghost returns 
in search of her children. In another version of the story, La Llorona was born to a peasant family in a humble village. Her startling beauty captured the attention of both the rich and the poor men of the area, and she was said to have spent her days in her humble peasant surroundings, but she would don her best white gown in the evenings and thrill the men who admired her in the local fandangos. The young men anxiously waited for what's her. a fan what's a fandango fandango it's like i think it's like a like a I, i'm not really sure okay let's find out together. i didn't know uh, so i've heard the name i've, I've heard, heard the, it before but only for the, the the theater or the ticket thing fandango yes i it says didn't... a lively spanish dance for two people hmm. hmm interesting i thought that was the flamingo that's the fl- flamenco is also a dance. The young men anxiously waited for her arrival, and she reveled in the attention that she received. However, La Llorona had two small sons who made it difficult for her to spend her evenings out, and she often left them alone while she cavorted with the gentlemen during the evenings. I hate it when kids get in the way of you being a slut. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. One day, the two small boys were found drowned in the river. Some say they drowned through her neglect, but others say that they may have died by her own hand. The version of La Llorona that I heard growing up um, was she was a young woman who had been left widowed with two young boys to take care of. She was quite beautiful and desired by most men, uh, most men in town, but only one man had captured her attention. He was this wealthy businessman who had wooed her with fancy dinners and gifts. And when the time came, uh, the man told Maria that he wanted to be with her. He wanted to take her as his wife. But, ah, man, he couldn't. And you know why? Her fucking kids. He argued that they would stand in the way of their happiness because he wanted to live a life that did not include children. Mm. So he's like, it fucking sucks, man, but I got to dump you. If only they weren't around, maybe we could be together, right? So Maria, she's fucking drunk with love. She goes home that night, and she kills her children. She dismembers them, and she throws them into the river. When she goes to her lover, she reveals what she's done. He fucking laughs in her face, and then he reveals himself to be the devil in disguise. He mocks her for falling for his trap, and he just fucking pieces out. He's gone, right? So Maria's overcome with guilt. She kills herself. It's the only thing she can think to do. She drowns herself in the river where her boys had been discarded. And then when she reaches the gates of heaven, it's not St. Peter waiting for her, but God the Father himself. He tells Maria that she's not allowed into heaven and that her punishment is not hell either. Her punishment is to return to earth and find her children. And only then would she be granted access into his kingdom. Only then would she be allowed to rest. So now she wanders the world crying out for her children, crying, Mis hijos, ay, mis hijos. And if you fucking hear, that's one of the most, as a Mexican child growing up and they tell you that part, that's like the part that gets you. And then all fucking night you're like, you hear the wind and you're like, oh my God, that's her. So by by some traditions, the ghost of La Llorona is is uh, feared. She's said to be vengeful and sees other ch- uh, others' children to drown in place of her own. By other traditions, she is a warning, and those who hear her wails will soon face death themselves. 
She's like a harbinger, kind of like Mothman. Oh, Richard S- Gere. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Sometimes she is seen as a disciplinary figure and appears to children who are unkind to their parents. She's mainly seen along bodies of water, but can sometimes be seen in the mountains, the forests, and even the empty streets of the city at night. If you hear her cries near bar, nearby, and not all the legends include this, this is just one I've heard, that if you hear her cries nearby, she's actually far away. But if you hear her cries far away, then you're fucked, because she's very close to you. La Llorona seems to follow the Mexican people as they go, uh, and as they have migrated north, so has she. It originated in Mexico, but then it soon moved to like New Mexico and Arizona and that area, and now she's been spotted as far north as Montana. So it's almost like she's attached to the Mexican people. And, you know, if she is, has ties to the indigenous tribes of, of Mesoamerica, could make sense that she's always traveled with them, you know, maybe some yeah. sort of like tulpa that is drawn to the, the people. Or maybe there's more than one version because the people created the tulpa with so much psychic energy. I don't know. Sure. Um, So I've included two stories. One is I got from Reddit, and the other one is a a version that that comes from my family that I've heard. So this is the one from Reddit. It was during the summer when my family decided that we should all take a trip to Mexico to visit family. I was about to join the Marine Corps, so my mother wanted me to go see my family just in case something bad were to happen. It already happened. You joined the Marine Corps, son. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Marines. It's Air Force in this household. Oh. At the time, it's none of them. Sorry, guys. At the time, I was with my pregnant girlfriend, who would later become my wife, and then ex-wife. Since she was pregnant, I didn't want to leave her alone, so I bought her a ticket so she could come with as well. Her being Caucasian with blonde hair and hazel eyes made everyone around my grandma's house curious, and a lot of her extended family came by to see the beautiful American girl. As someone who grew up in Mexico, this is fucking true, bro. They, It's so funny because they see white people all the time. It's not like white people don't exist down there. They're, right. they're, they're fucking everywhere, you know, for tourism and everything. And you, Like in my hometown, well, my home city, Puerto Vallarta, fucking go downtown and white people are everywhere. I remember it's like a sea of tall dudes named John, you know? Right, uh-huh. But still, fucking Mexican people, like, a, a, they see a blonde girl or a blonde guy, blue eyes, like, you know, green eyes or something, and they fucking flip, dude. And they're like, oh, my God, it would eat They would love you, Mason, right now with your platinum <laughs> hair. You would go down there and they would fucking just fucking pet you like, like, a, like a monkey or something, like something they've never seen. You'd be a god to them. I don't want. I don't have any interest in being a god to. Um, that seems problematic. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I guess. cut your audio and I'm gonna make it so they said I want to be a god to, and then I'm gonna in my voice say like brown people. Well, I was gonna. I specifically didn't say brown people. Oh, now I got it. There you go. Thank you. Shit, no. <laughs> don't clip it. Hey, Jamie, can we get that clip of Mason saying brown people? I want to be... Nope, why would I say that? I was going to do the bit where I actually said it, but then I just <laughs> give it to you, and I don't like that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be an Instagram post for you where I say something very problematic about brown people. It's that uh, scene from uh, Scooby-Doo where Freddy's like, you're going to make it sound like I said something stupid, like Coolsville sucks. All Freddy yeah. had to say was, 
Coolsville sucks. Yeah, exactly. That's ex- I almost did that, and then yeah. I stopped myself. So anyway, he continues on saying, after greeting Why everyone- would I say something <laughs> along the lines of, I want to be a god to brown people? I obviously wouldn't Jamie, want can that. We clip That's that? problematic. Jamie, can no! We clip after greeting everyone, we all started to talk about what had been going on since we had left. My girlfriend was sitting next to me, having me translate parts of the conversation. One of my aunts, who knew I was into the paranormal, brought up the subject of La Llorona, a.k.a. the Wailing Woman. That sounds like something else. That sounds a little more slutty and sexy. The Wailing Whale- Woman. That's a I good like bar it. name. The Wailing Woman. Like a like oh, a that is like good, a like yeah. a sea tavern themed bar. Fuck, we yeah. gotta start writing these down, man. Uh, we should, yeah. My mom, see, I would love to order uh, to open up a like sailor old timey sailor themed bar. That would be so fun. Everyone That'd just sings fun. shanties all the time, sea shanties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom quickly told my aunt to shut up since she knew that it would get me both interested and scared. But I was able to push my aunt to keep going. I mean. I was going to be a Marine after all, and I couldn't let a silly myth scare me. She proceeded to tell us about how whenever she would sleep over at my grandma's house, at which we were currently at, if she stayed up late enough, she would be able to hear her wails. The wails of La Llorona. My mom rolled her eyes and jokingly pushed my aunt. The subject died from there since one of my other aunts started to talk about her son and whatnot. Fucking bitch, nobody wants to hear about your son. Shut the fuck up about about Victor. Nobody cares. Seeing how serious I, we all have that on, and the yeah. conversation's not about their fucking kid, and they're like, "Oh well, my son," and it's like, "I know your son. You don't know your son. I know your you, son. Yeah, you don't know shit about your son. Your son sucks. Your son's doing cocaine with the fucking forty-nine-year-old manager at the local high V. That's nice. a, that's an Iowa reference, right? Yeah, there. that was an Iowa yeah. reference. Yeah. I was impressed by that. I still remember high V, and uh, what was yeah. the other one? Was the one fairway? that uh, fairway, the one that I didn't like to go in because yeah, they f- always watched me very closely. Fairway's literal like whole thing is <laughs> like we're a 1950s grocery store. And guess what? They acted. They act yep. 1950s. Seeing how serious everyone had gone for a brief moment, my girlfriend nudged me and asked what we were talking about. I told her to mind her fucking business. No, <laughs> <laughs> I said, bitch. You said that? Learn Spanish or don't hang out with my family. I told her the myth of the wailing woman about how she drowned her children in a river and was destined to walk along the rivers of Mexico looking for her dead children. She, of course, laughed, not really buying any of my paranormal stories. That night, my parents decided that my girlfriend and I should stay at our old house where I had grown up since we were both adults and needed our own space. And we were gonna fuck. Yeah, hot. Hot pregnant sex. The house was currently being worked on, so the bedrooms had no doors or working lights. The only doors the house had were the ones that led into the outside. It's more out to the outside, not into end of the matter. They were fairly new, but they were your standard metal flimsy doors that a kick or punch could make rattle throughout the house. Inside, we had to use a candle and a flashlight for our light source. I remember we even used a bedsheet as a temporary door to give our room a little bit more privacy, even though it was only the two of us in the house. As the night went on, my girlfriend and I stayed up talking, and eventually we both fell asleep. I don't know at what time exactly, but something woke me up. 
I didn't have a cell phone, and my watch at the time was really cheap, so I wasn't able to tell what time it was. Looking down, I realized that my girlfriend had stolen the covers, so I slowly tried to steal some back. As I was debating on closing the window that was located right above our heads, I heard a long wail. It was a long, distorted wail. I could hear the old raspiness in her voice, like as if she had been yelling for such a long time that her throat was getting ready to give out. But what confused me was that her wail sounded like as if it was being played through an old gramophone. I don't know if it was the scratchiness of her voice or what exactly, but it sounded like an old creepy record playing over and over. Yeah, it's just, you ain't nothing but a hound dog crying all the time. That was a good Elvis. You ain't, oh, thank you. Thank you, baby. She was wailing her trade. Thank you very much. Why did you blow his most famous line? Well, I, 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 I improvised. I made it different. That's. It's called okay. comedy, bitch. Look it up. <laughs> Here's my like impression that. of Elvis. Ready? Yeah. <gasps> that was him dying on the toilet. Mm, very yeah. good. I liked it. Sorry. Although, let me do it again. <gasps> yep. Oh, God. <sighs> I am a, I'm a little upset at how good it is. I'm going to be honest. I wanted it like I was going to. If you want to hear the peak of my Elvis impression, we, we did a conspiracy episode on Max and Jose, and we just talked in an Elvis impression for like half an hour. Mm-hmm. Both Max yeah. and I. It's very funny, Mason. You actually should go listen to it. If, if anything, just listen to that section. It's, it's, I, it's a crazy conspiracy about Elvis being alive, but then we tied it into the... It, uh, it's just good. Just good world I'm building. Just, I'm upset because all of my best parodies or uh, best uh, impersonations are a very parody? niche. Yeah, well, a par- the... Oh, uh, friend of the log, uh, HVAC guy, Cole. Well, former HVAC guy. He's now Bones guy, I believe. Is that what we settled on? Is that his new owes nickname? Me. It owes me his Bones owes guy. Owes me his Bones guy. Um, he uh, he texted me. He was like, dude, it's a really good fucking parakeet. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yeah, it is, huh? It's kind of fucking crazy. Um, she was wailing her trademark, I, mis hijos, or oh, my children. That wail was what... My children. That was me as a gramophone. Yeah, yeah. That was very good. Yeah. Mm. That whale was what made her infamous, not just in the paranormal community, but with most people living in the rural parts of Mexico. My girlfriend started to stir and woke up. I don't remember if I woke her up on purpose, but either way, it was a dick move of me to do so, since she would also get to hear the whales. I was both excited and scared shitless at the same time. A cold chill traveling down my spine just reinforced my fear. That's the best feeling in the world, genuinely. I mean, aside being, from, you know, like sex, being but scared like and being excited? scared and excited, I love that. Where you're like, oh man, I, ooh, but you're also like, ooh, you know? It's like that one time we heard the dog outside uh, uh, the uh, uh, digital communications building in the graveyard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you were like, let's go check it out. I was fucking terrified, but also kind of You were not about it. No, I was not about it, though. No. No. Um, The wails grew louder, making it seem like as if she was slowly heading towards us. Side note, there is a myth that if you hear the whales close, she's actually far away. But if you hear them far, she might be somewhere near you. My girlfriend asked me with half a smile, what the hell is that? 
thinking I had asked my aunts to scare us. I just motioned for her to be quiet and listen. Hearing my tone of voice, she knew something was wrong. Another loud wail passed by, echoing inside the house. My girlfriend started shaking, terrified of what could be outside our house. I had my left arm under her head, and I could feel tears run down from her face to my arm. Not a silly story now, huh, bitch? Not a silly okay. story, huh? Well, I mean, it is kind of a silly story. But she scoffed at it earlier. Now she's crying. Mm. Get fucked. Anyway. Okay. I mean, I don't know if she deserves it, but all right. No, she's pregnant. She's, she doesn't deserve it. I if don't she, know if that's once what she gives birth, not, she deserves you know what? it. Okay. Each sure. time the whale came, she would shake a little, and at the same time, I would hold her close. The walls eventually came to a peak. The, sorry, the whales. The whales eventually came to a peak where it sounded as if she was outside our window. Doing the only brave thing I knew, I pulled the cover over us and tried to remain as still as we could. The whales eventually faded out, and just as we thought that she had gone, we heard two wild dogs viciously fighting and slamming against our outside door. My girlfriend had grown attached to the stray dog that used to walk around my grandma's farm. So, while we were staying there, he would always sleep on the outside door to wait for us and greet us whenever we would come out. The dogs, or at least what we thought were dogs, fought for a good minute, slamming against the door, snarling and barking at one another. Then, as sudden as the fight started, it stopped. We attempted to stay up for a while longer to see if we heard anything else, but eventually, sleep took over us. The following morning, we talked about what had happened. We walked outside to meet our stray dog, but he was gone. All that was left was stirred up dirt from the fight that had happened the night before. We never got to see that dog the rest of the trip. He would usually come around, but we just told ourselves that maybe he found a place with better owners who could feed him better. Julio yeah. Martinez. 100% that's what happened. Uh, yeah, the, I think that dog is dead. I nah. think La Llorona killed it. Why would La Llorona kill a dog? She's a bitch, man. <laughs> she killed her kids. You think she's going to not kill a dog? think she's got I morals? Could... I could see a universe in which I could kill a person before a dog. Oh, no, I could. I can see that right now. I'll kill a yeah. person before I kill a dog. But I'm not okay, Llorona. So. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, that dog story does remind me. Um, we had a dog when I was a kid living in Mexico called uh, Stinky Hediondo. Uh, because mm-hmm. he got his name because he peed on my uncle when he was a baby. And my dad called him Stinky. And then anyway. Uh, he was like an out, uh, outside Mexico dog, which are the strongest dogs I've ever seen. They just fucking deal with everything, and they survive somehow. Um, and then one day, my great-grandma's dog and him got into a fight. It was a fucking Lion King moment, dude. He lost, and then he left. Like, the dog left. I think it was like the other dog was, I'm the alpha, like, you can't be around here anymore. And he just fucking left. And we, nev- we didn't see him f- for the longest time. And then, like, two years later, like a year... It wasn't that long. Maybe like a, a less than a year. He came back for like a day. And we like fucking instantly recognized him. Really? This fucking, this fucking Hediondo. This is stinky. Stayed. Grabbed some food. Dipped out. Never saw him again. N- we never even saw him anywhere near the house after that either. Like we never saw him like down the road or anything. So it's kind of fucking crazy. That doesn't relate to this at all. But it just reminded me of it. Why? It is a wild. It's a wild story. Yeah. He's dead now it's for crazy. sure. Rest in peace, Stinky, though. Mm. He was a good dog. He was a really good dog. Yeah. R.I.P. Stinky. 
when I was a kid, and th- this is my my story. Um, so when I was a kid, my mom shared with me a story of an encounter that my late grandmother had with uh, La Llorona. So my, my mom, they grew up uh, quite poor. And when they needed to do laundry, they would go down to this little creek by their house. And I remember this this creek. And uh, my grandmother would wash by hand. So the way their house worked was it was you, you'd go up a hill, you'd turn left, and it was like there was a couple houses there, right? And then where the houses were, they were kind of situated, you know, above, and there was like a path that went down into kind of like a forested area. And there was a little trail, a little creek that ran alongside it, like a little babbling brook. And then it opened up to like these old basketball courts, and then it opened up to the city, and you could walk down into the neighborhoods. And that little place, mm-hmm. everyone that lived there was always afraid to to walk near there. They always told you, like, don't walk there at night because it was very low light. So they're, you know, they're mainly scared of like, rapists and shit but also they just it was like a spooky area there's there's another local story from there too that that maybe i'll tell after this but anyway so my grandma's there one afternoon she's doing laundry uh she's down a little creek and she's finishing up she's heading back to the house with the laundry in one hand when she hears a woman crying softly so she turns in the direction of the crying and she sees a woman in a white dress with a black veil my grandma thinks it's kind of weird, but she she asks her what's wrong, and the woman just responds with, I'm looking for my children. And when she says this, she turned to face my grandma, and my grandma couldn't make out a face. Like, aside from the veil, it just looked like there was nothing behind it. And that's what fucking scared her, because obviously she knew the legend of La Llorona. Right. And in a second, she was like, oh, I think this is her. So she starts turns around, and she starts running up. And she was uh, with my mom and my uh, two aunts, but they had uh, gone up ahead of her. So she catches up to them and she just tells them, like, hurry, we got to make it to the house. And it's only like a two or three minute walk up to their house from there. But she's like, we, we have to get inside. Like, we're not. I just saw La Llorona. Like, we're going inside. Right. And so they get inside and she was very devout Catholic. So she prayed the fear away. Um, but it was something that shook her a lot. Uh, my mom says that she was a very serious woman and of everything I've heard from, because I didn't get to meet her. She passed away a year before I was born, but, um, she was like a no nonsense, nonsense kind of gal. Like, uh, she never, she, aside from like the two stories that I'll share from her, she never was like, oh, I've seen a ghost. I've seen blah, blah, blah. She was just like, she, you know, no nonsense, very serious person. Right. But that night she was like really shook up all night. Um, she told my grandpa about it and he was kind of like, Oh shit. You know, because he's very, he's, uh, he's, right. he's descended from, I think, Huicholes. They're like an indigenous group. So he's always believed very heavily in like the spiritual and the paranormal. Right. Um, but she, um, this, yeah. So it just, it was in, it was something that stuck with my mom because her, her mom wasn't the type to lie about something like that. And, you know, it's possible it wasn't La Llorona. Um, it's possible it was just another woman, but it's spooky. She swears by it that she, well, my grandma swore by it that she did see something. And and my mom's like, she's like, we didn't do anything wrong that day. So it's not like she was saying it to scare us or like to keep us inside because she's like, we had been on our best behavior. Because that's usually what these stories are is is just people being like, if you don't, because that's how my mom used them. And she'd be like, if you're outside too late, the La Llorona will get you or, you know, the the big black dog will get you, which is like the devil. Cujo. Yeah. It's more like Sirius Black from uh, Harry Potter. Mm. That's what he's supposed to look like. 
I actually think that's that's guy. what the yeah, but that, but you know how like he looks as a as a dog, his dog form. Oh, that would make sense because Alfonso Cuarón is Mexican, directed yeah. that one. Yeah. Yep. Um. Anyway, and that's the two stories after La Llorona. What do you think of La Llorona, Mason? I, I'm assuming I mean, you've heard of it, right? This is yeah, one I've heard. heard of it. I think we've covered it a little bit. I think in, we did on this before, and I mean it's spooky. It it is very. It it's you know it's like the it's a banshee tale it's a woman in white story, uh, so yeah. again like I, I will I won't lie to you I think maybe somewhere there is a ghost that is La Llorona or maybe it is a tolba that makes a lot of sense to me actually more sense than yeah. a traveling ghost, but right. a lot of the time when people tell me La Llorona stories they're very cut like cut and paste, so I don't <clears throat> really you know believe them because everyone has a La Llorona story um, and it's the ones that like have detail and can recount it well that I'm like that's okay. that's a little spooky yeah. but like everyone I mean, every, most people yeah. that tell me ones are like and then she was outside and my dad saw her and it's like alright maybe he did I don't know uh, but uh, it was one that scared the shit out of me when I was a kid and it honestly still kind of does the thought I watched a video because you see all these videos all the time of like, oh, La Llorona sighting or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if it, I believe it was real, but it was of this guy walking home <clears throat> in the city late one night. So like the streets are empty and he hears her and it just kind of echoes throughout the street. And uh, it's really fucking spooky, man. Because sometimes I have to walk, uh, you know, whether I'm walking the dog out or like I'm somewhere and it's like super late. Uh, spooky. Spooky shit. I can man. imagine. Yeah. 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 So moving on to our next legend, Mason, we have the Duendes. You ever heard of a Duende? You ever heard that? No. This is completely new to me. All right. So in Spain and Portugal, the word Duende refers to spirits like goblins or sprites. Like the English term goblin, Duende is a very vague term. A Duende may be any kind of small spirit. In general, they're associated with wild nature, very much like a sprite. Although the word is also sometimes used to indicate small household helper spirits, like a brownie or a luton. They're I've mis- had brownies before. Brownies are delicious, but not that kind of brownie. They're oh. mischievous and sometimes have a wicked sense of humor, but are generally not harm- harmful, are the- although there are exceptions. Jesus Christ. I've seen, I've seen the movie Gremlins. Have you ever read the books The Spiderwick Chronicles? I have not. Oh, wow. Shout out to everyone who read the Spiderwick Chronicles. You know what I'm talking about. In parts of Latin America, however, the term duende refers to a more specific type of spirit. According to some, duendes are tiny ghosts, souls of fetuses and unbaptized infants. They are hungry, persistent, nagging ghosts. It is difficult to reason with them because they do not speak or comprehend. They just yearn and crave. The most dangerous duendes are souls of undesired, discarded newborn infants who have been killed, suffocated, strangled, drowned, whatever, or just abandoned and left for dead. Duendes haunt sources of fresh water, rivers, streams, or springs, but they usually try to rejoin the families in which they had anticipated being born. It is unclear whether they are angry and intend to cause harm, or whether their presence alone is sufficiently toxic. They are potentially harmful, especially to living siblings who are often the only ones able to see them. 
Now, this is very different from the origin of duendes that I know. I was always told growing up that duendes were little creatures, uh, whether they were woodland spirits or something else was never clear, but they existed solely to cause mischief. They play with children, tease them, nagging them, and occasionally make them cry. They're like little gnomes or like the Keebler elves, you know? Mm. I don't Be- think the Keebler elves make kids cry. No, but they I get don't. What you're saying. No, yeah. Because Mexico is a very Catholic country, I grew up hearing that a duende came around a household because a child wasn't baptized. And if the child had never received his baptismal blessing, the duendes could become less fun and whimsical and more sinister and evil with the potential to steal children into the forest. They lived in big trees in the forest, where usually fig trees is what they're associated with. Uh, and you know where a duende lives because the fig tree will have like a little door shape on them, which most fig trees have a little circle shape. So people think that that's how they get in and out. Fair enough. But I guess it's like a TARDIS and it's bigger on the inside to fit all them fucking duendes a, in there. A door would make sense for it to be how they live in that tree yes like a like the tree with the door on it yeah, yeah that's probably the one they live <laughs> in. that makes that makes sense <laughs> it's just a regular house door too yeah yeah it's got a little window I, which and, tree do you think he's living this, they're living in is it like the one with the door tree or the one with the mailbox and the porch <laughs> yeah it's like probably that one yeah probably probably i can't say for certain i'm not a duendeologist so this could be because Mexican regions vary so much in culture that each one has their own mythology. So obviously that's why we get these different versions. One little weird thing that duendes supposedly do <laughs> is braid horses' hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. A lot of the stories that I come across, and I've even heard this from like family members who, who know the lore, um, farmers will report waking up and they go to check on their horses and their horse's hair is braided when they've never braided it nor anyone else in their family has. And they sometimes they'll find like twigs braided into the hair or like mm-hmm. leaves. Um, it's bizarre. Sounds adorable. There's, it's kind of cute, but it's also like, what the fuck? <laughs> like why, why this very specific thing, you know? And there's a museum, there's a couple different museums you can go to in Mexico where they have some clipped horses braids um, that have been supposedly braided by the duendes. Here's some encounters with uh, duendes that I got from the interwebs. This did not happen to me. It happened to my dad. He tells a story about when he was around 18 years old. He lived in a small town in the mountains, and his house was pretty far from the actual town. He would walk home every day from town, and on one of those walks, after a party, he came across what looked like a young boy, standing on top of a rock, with a cone-shaped hat on. When the boy turned to look at him, His eyes shimmered in the night. They were completely black. He doesn't remember much after that. He just remembers being shaken by his friend, telling him to run or the duende would get him. From Santiago 0612. Could also be a uh, black-eyed kid, though. Sounds like a cop. (laughs) That's what I mean, you know, when you're walking down the street and then they're like, run, or the cops are going to get you. Yeah. Um, cause you know, black eyed kids have the black eyes obviously. And then they also dress really weirdly. So that's true. Um, yeah. And I forgot to mention their appearance is just, you know, you're, uh, they, they wear like usually like big hats, big cone shaped hats or big, like sombrero shaped hats. Um, and they have like a very wrinkly little man, old man face. Um, sometimes they're clothed. Sometimes they're not. This is another one. And these are in Spanish. I'm guessing so. you want me to read this one. <laughs> 
No. I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that. Yeah. You go ahead. So these are in Spanish. Um, so give me a... I'm going to be translating them as I go. So everybody be patient. So this story is a... The writer says that a duende actually fell in love with his aunt, uh, who we'll refer to as Paola. Uh, she, along with his uncles and his mom, would go every summer to... Um, uh, I don't know what this word is, chakra. I think it's like a type of home. Uh, so they would go to their grandma's house, basically. And she lived in, uh, this is not from Mexico, but it is a duenda story. It's they, uh, She lived in Cajamarca, Peru. So during uh, these va- this uh, vacation, everything was going good. Um, until his aunt stopped eating and... She felt like she was being watched. She started having nightmares. She didn't want to sleep with the, the light off. Uh, and she didn't want to sleep alone. And they said that every day uh, that would pass, she would look worse and worse. One day, to try to brighten her spirits, uh, his mom and uh, uh, his uncles decided to go outside and play uh, uh, on the uh, house's patio. Uh and they're, which in, in Spanish, patio is like a yard, right? So they're basically the house's yard. And um, there was a, a tree, um, a fig tree, which this comes back uh, in the yard. And as kids, they're they're playing around the, uh, the fig tree with no worries. When their grandma, uh, she, um, she would use a bell to call them all to dinner. Very, very uh, old-timey, I feel. So she rings the bell. Uh, so they come in to have dinner. They're all inside, and they realize, holy shit, we left Paola outside. So they, uh, the, his grandma, his great-grandma, the reader's great-grandma, or the writer's great-grandma, she goes out to scold her, uh, and uh, she sees her in front of the fig tree almost like staring off into space, uh, almost hypnotized. So at this point, his great-grandma, or his grandma, goes up to her, and she's like, hey, get the, what the fuck are you doing? And that's when she reacts scared. Like, the minute she touches her, she kind of fucking starts freaking out, his aunt does. She starts crying and yelling, trying to explain what she saw. So they were only able to understand a bit, um, because, you know, she was so scared, but... She described that what she saw had a shriveled face, but was small in stature. Uh, they didn't believe her at first, but as the days went on, they noticed that she was genuinely scared. She stopped eating, she seemed more tired, and she wouldn't even get out of bed, basically. So his grandma, upon seeing this, decides that she's going to stay and sleep uh, with her daughter. So at, during the night, uh, they hear something outside of the window. They hear a whistling. Uh, and it's super late, and they're out in the you know the fucking country. So they're like, who is... His, his grandma's like, who the fuck is whistling out there? She gets up to go and uh, go to the bathroom. She goes outside, right? And th- this is a farmhouse, so they're peeing into like a, a chamber pot, basically. A uh-huh. hole. Uh, no, no, no. They have like a like a bucket that they pee oh. into. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and this is very in some rural communities in Mexico. I remember these. Uh, it's it's not uncommon to have some of these. So um, she's she's out there peeing, and and she keeps hearing uh, these uh, whistling. His grandma does. So she, what she does is she gets the bucket of piss and she throws it in the direction of where she hears the whistling, and it stops. And she goes inside. Hell yeah. The next Badass. morning, his aunt is feeling better. She, uh, they take her with like a healing uh, or a shaman person, and uh, they kind of sort her out. And she starts eating again. And uh, with time, she gets feeling a lot better, but she still vividly remembers the, that day and what she saw, and that this little creature had latched onto her, wouldn't leave her alone, and that's why. She had felt the way that she felt because it was visiting her every night, trying to get her attention. And remember, everybody, if anybody's ever stalking you or harassing you, throw piss at them. Yes. And that was from Tu Reddit Witch or Your Reddit Witch. This is the last one from the, from the old Reddit. When I was a girl about seven years old, my parents and I went to a doggo. Uh, I remember that my mom's friend had invited us to some cabins. There's this this river nearby, but they have to walk a bit to get to it. So her mom's friend had a daughter uh, around her age. Um, so they go a little bit forward together. So she says, I run faster than the girl uh, trying to get to the river first. When... I look up behind a tree. I see a small but old face looking at me. It scared me quite a bit, and I backed up a bit. The thing stared at me without looking away. All of a sudden, the girl approached from behind me, and I turned to face her. Then I quickly turned to face the thing to show her what I had seen, and it was not there. But it was a sensation a very strange sensation I never got any bad intentions but it was very very ugly and that was from Reticuli 1312 so the last one is another the the last story for this legend also comes from my mom's side of the family so my mom swears that I used to play with duendes when I was a child Um, you as in Jose me as in Jose interesting Um, I don't remember I mean, I've seen things out of the corner of my eye, but I've never seen a duende, like, straight up. I've seen, like, you know, what I thought was a duende in my peripheral, but never actually. But she says that when I was a kid, I used to play with them. Um, But she has a story that when she was a kid, her youngest brother, my Uncle Raul, was nearly taken by one. So they had gone to the river one day. Uh, This was not the one by their house. It was another one that they had driven to. And my grandma had laid my uncle, who was two months uh, old at the time, down in his little baby seat next to a fig tree, which is, again, where duendes supposedly live. When she turned around, she was watching the rest of the kids, and my uncle begins to cry. So when she turned towards him, she noticed that the baby seat had actually been moved closer to the tree, and she could see that it had been dragged in the dirt. And she runs over, and she, you know, like, looks around, and she doesn't see anyone. Um, but she said that she saw small, my mom says that my grandma saw small footprints and that's when she got scared and told my grandpa that they needed to leave. And she says that the entire way home, my mom says that 
my uncle just cried and cried and cried. And when they, like, examined him to see if he had, like, cut him, like, maybe something, he'd gotten hurt somehow, they found pinch marks on his arms, uh, little pinch marks. And that's what made Mm. them believe that maybe the Duendes had tried to get to him because he wasn't baptized. And, you know, in the region that I'm from, it's the belief that, like, if you're not baptized, they come and get you. Well, it certainly sounds reasonable to me. What do you think of duendes, Mason? What do you think of little little duendes? You know, every every single culture has. Uh, we have talked gremlins. about many of them. Yeah, little Tommy knockers, mischief makers. Those weird guys who eat porridge from Sweden. Yeah, I couldn't remember their name. Um, what was the guy that they found ba- the 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 deformed fe- fetus they found buried? Or was that the Tommy knocker? Deformed fetus. It was like a Native American version of the same thing. <laughs> My dog. It doesn't matter. Oh, oh, whoa! There was the little, the little, uh, the little, um, like river or lake monsters. I can't remember what they were called. Water yeah, babies. Yeah. Anyway. Water babies. Yeah. Anyway, there's been a. Oh no 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 no! Sorry sorry. We're not talking about water babies. You're talking about the. Uh, the little mummy, Saint the Pedro yeah. mummy. I can't remember what that creature was supposed to be, though. The point is, there's countless stories of tiny little creatures making mischief all around. See, for They're me... They're not particularly scary, but I no. like the stories. I, that's, it's stuff like that. Re- repeated folklore across varying cultures. It makes mm-hmm. me think that something was out there. You know, have you ever watched Game of Thrones? Yeah. I think we live in that world in the way that like magic maybe existed in our world a long time ago and it doesn't anymore and Mm. maybe our ancestors encountered things and that's where our stories came from and then now like we there might be some left but it's not as um prevalent or as uh ample as it used to be you know could be the dragons are gone man the dragons are gone yeah Anyway, we've reached our final legend from our Mexican folklore list for today, Mason. And that is the story that terrified me the most as a kid, La Mano Peluda. The legend of the Mano Peluda can be heard in almost every Latin American country, but it seems bigger in Mexico and Colombia, and it dates back to the Spanish Inquisition. La Mano Peluda quite literally translates to the hairy hand or the fuzzy hand. And there are many legends that tell that under your bed there is a portal to the underworld. And this allows for more stories, such as La Mano Peluda, to grow. Most versions of the legends say that La Mano Peluda belongs to a man that lived and died during the Spanish Inquisition. He was wrongfully accused of robbery and his hand was cut off. When this happened, he swore he would get revenge on everyone for this but he remained alive and died of natural causes later on in life. Other versions say that his hand was cut off, he swore revenge, and then he was killed and buried in a cemetery. Now the hand comes back, seeking revenge. The version from Mexico is a bit different than that. It takes place in the year 1908, in Puebla, Puebla. There was a man named Señor Villa, who was known as Horta, and his wife, and he and his wife... La Gangosa owned a pawn shop. Horta was short, a little on the bigger side, and very hairy. He was, by all accounts, a pretty terrible person. He showed off his wealth, ripped off his customers, 
treated them badly, and never in his life did one good deed. What's wrong with that? I just, there was a He's lot. He's a hustler, that, you know what I mean? I was trying to bridge the, there was such a wide difference between, like, the first one was, like, a conquistador, like, that's pretty classic horror movie stuff, and then the second one was, like, it a was Watto, but Italian Mexican. guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Watto, but Italian. Yes, that's yeah. exactly it. So it was common for the people of Puebla to be heard saying, Que Dios te seque la mano. May God dry out his hand. When walking in front of his pawn shop, uh, they would say this. After greedy old Orta died, God did indeed dry out his hand. Sometime after his death, the local newspaper ran a story that a graveyard keeper told them. The graveyard keeper would see a black, hairy hand with rings stick out of Orta's graveyard, and it would look for victims to tear out their eyeballs and choke them to death. When Jesus it was done Christ. killing, it would return to Orta's grave. And after the story was published, and to this day, there are those who claim the hand pulled them out of their bed while sleeping, and many who have seen this hand moving throughout the fields uh, many have seen this hand moving throughout the fields, searching for more victims. Like the version from Puebla, other versions of the legend describe the hand similarly. The hand is black, hairy with very sharp nails. In Colombia, the nails have poison at the tips. It is twice as big as your average adult hand. It is disembodied and leaves a trail of blood behind it. Maggots can be seen moving around the hand as well. The hand waits for children to get out of bed and then springs out from under the bed and pulls the child down to the underworld along with it. In Colombia, it is said to not only come out from under the bed, but also from big windows and behind doors. There are also versions of the tale where the hand comes out from the wall, so you must be must beware when sleeping against the wall, which I fucking love to do, sleep against the wall. It's, it's a hand. Yeah. It's... Just a disembodied a hand? hand. Yeah. You ever read Diary of Wimpy Kid? No. For our readers, for the readers out there who read Diary of Wimpy Kid, it, the muddy hand almost all it reminded me of this a lot. And I'm sure that Jeff Kinney must have seen mention of it somewhere, and that's where he got that from. It's just a hand. Yeah, but it's a it's scary as a kid. You don't come. Yeah, like as I got older, that's when I stopped being scared of it. But I remember my mom being like, "If you don't go to sleep, la mano peluda is gonna get you." And I was like, "Oh, fucking god, man! Not, no fucking way." I'm not trying to downplay. No, it's silly, but it's but as a kid, just, it's fucking spooky. But <laughs> it gouges your eyeballs out, Mason. It drags Why you to hell. Wouldn't. I just even thinking about this practically that this is just a way to scare children into behaving well. Why not just have it be a ghost? Because uh, we already have a bunch of other ghost ones. <laughs> okay, and then but it's just like some kind of like, cool. Tell me, it's not cool. A little disembodied hand. It's the fucking things from the Adams family. It's just, and but then the fact that from Puebla, it was just it's just some jabroni that owned a, a pawn shop. That was it, gouging my eyes out. Uh, yeah, very yeah. good, especially for an audio primary <laughs> medium. I'm glad you reacted that. Yeah, yeah. But it's just some, like... Some, again, just Watto from Star Wars. Hey, little yeah. Annie, huh? 
So he, here's a story. Here's a story of La Mano Peluda. I really don't share this story for several reasons. One is obviously being seen as unhinged or a liar. The other, probably stronger reason, is I'm afraid it will come after me. I'm really curious, though, about other people's experiences. I've seen a couple similar stories here. In Mexican folklore, there's a story of a dismembered hairy hand that will tickle misbehaving children who don't go to sleep when they're told to. Mm. Essentially, it's a boogeyman. Do what parents say monster. There's probably several variations, but this is what I grew up with. When I was three, I was sleeping on the bottom bunk and awoke to something tapping my right hand. There were two large drawers where my sister and I kept all our toys beneath the bed. Whatever was tapping me was coming from the drawer underneath me. Before I opened my eyes, I felt this frantic, or enthusiastic, tapping on my hand. I remember the slapping sound, too. My parents would leave the hallway light on to help my sister, and I feel and I sleep comfortably. So I saw what was waking me up viscerally. I opened my eyes and saw this large hand curved up from beneath my bottom bunk, slapping my hand. Imagine man hands from Seinfeld. It was green, like the cutter... Did you just say Seinfeld? I did. I did. Imagine man hands from Seinfeld. It was green, like the... Seinfeld. I never watched it. Well, it's a, it's a, that's white person culture. It is. It is very, yeah. It was green, like the color of pea soup. It had black hair on the back of its hand that traveled up its fingers. The fingernails were also green, though short. Maybe it got a mani before visiting me. Its skin was really dry. I distinctly remember how coarse the skin felt. Man, this unattached dead hand needs some fucking lotion. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but how will it rub it in? Jergens. Because <gasps> it's only maybe one. That's, maybe that's all it wants. Is it just wants yeah. somebody to rub some lotion into it? Yeah. When I started moving my hand, it almost looked like it was signing to me. It looked like it was signing Y in ASL. <laughs> yeah, it's just flipping him off, just flipping the bird. He's like, oh no, what's it doing? <laughs> uh, Mason just, just mimed, uh, fuck you in the a- uh, ASL. I have no idea what would what that would even translate to in dismembered hand language, but I remember it moving its fingers and hand like it was trying to tell me something. I squealed, shut my eyes, and shoved my hand under the pillow. I started screaming frantically for my parents and could hear my sister shifting above me. Both my parents ran in, and I'm obviously inconsolable. My dad told me it was just him teasing me, and then my memory of the rest of the night stops there. The next morning at breakfast, I was eating pancakes with my family. I asked why dad was playing a prank on me and tapping my hand from under my bed. My parents tensely look at each other and change the subject. I felt, I feel like I will never have an answer to what I experienced. The rest of my arm was covered by my blanket, so my one theory is that I thought it was another severed hand. Is that even possible? For years as a kid, I thought I saw it a couple of times and that it would run around with other hands, pure black, pure white. Those might have been nightmares. I started dreaming then about being tickled and suffocated by severed hands and feet. It sounds almost comical, but fuck, it was terrifying. What's wild to me is that my cousin, who was the same age as me, also experienced a severed green hand chasing her up the basement steps until she shut the door on it. I also have a friend who, without knowing anything about my experience, 
told me his cousin saw a green dismembered hand try and coax her into the bedroom closet late at night. She was about three or four at the time. Was there something in the air in the 90s? Confident Rutabaga, 23. See, that's the image that scared me. Is it mm. just coming out of the shadows and like yeah. beckoning you? Like just a hand. That's scary. Um, I agree. La Mano um, Peluda. Sorry, go ahead. I just remember it reminded me of there was I have one vivid memory of as a child of I was laying in bed and my mom hadn't tucked me into bed yet. I was laying in it and um, I had this iguana puppet uh-huh. stuffed animal and it, it, it slowly turned its head around the doorway, like floating in midair <laughs> and started talking to me and I started screaming and hysterically crying and then my mom stepped out with the puppet and was like i was just i thought it would i was trying and she was like immediately was like i understand how terrifying that was but you know and i at the time she was like i didn't know it's just me buddy and i was it was so scary you're like great now i need therapy yeah i still remember that of and you know obviously it wasn't that big of a deal but i just remember being like that's fucking terrifying i'm so scared and then my mom was like no i just thought you'd think it was fun buddy i'm sorry and it was like it's okay i appreciate it yeah my as a kid i was really scared of my arm dangling over the bed because i was scared that la mano peluda would grab oh there is sorry that also reminds me of one time i was laying in bed and i had an itch in the middle of my back and i put one arm up over my shoulder and one arm back underneath and they touched, my hands touched in the middle of my back. And you know how, like, when you, like, do, like, that cross thing and yeah. you can't really figure out, your brain gets confused on where w- your <laughs> body parts is, are? Yeah, yeah. I got confused and it felt like I touched somebody else's hand with both of my hands at the same time. And I scared the shit out of myself. Just very briefly went, like, oh, my God. And then it was, like, obviously those were both my hands. But uh, that was scary. Wow. Yep. Um, so... Another thing that has always been cool about La Mano Peluda to me is it actually inspired a radio show by the same name, La Mano Peluda. And I would be lying to you all if I didn't say that La Mano Peluda was one of the biggest inspirations for me to do this podcast. It was essentially Mexico's coast to coast where people would call mm. in with their stories and they would tackle various like you know strange cases. It ran for 22 years. I think it ended maybe about four or five years ago. Um, and it was just an absolutely fucking terrifying show. It had really good production values, uh, like some great, great shit, you know, great themes. And it was just amazing. And they, they told some really fantastically spooky stories. My mom didn't let me listen to it a lot as a kid because one, it both scared me, but it also scared her. But I would catch it every once in a while. Like, uh, my dad fucking loved listening to it. So when we drive, we do construction work. You can't. Sometimes the signal would get boosted or it would be replayed through another local Mexican radio uh, place and they would play it. But a lot of the time you would have to like look it up to listen to it in the U.S. Um, And I loved it. That radio show was amazing. Um, That and like Coast to Coast uh, were huge inspirations for me to start this show. Um, There's a really interesting story and this is only tied in name, but I want to say this as maybe a teaser. I think we should cover this case. There's a really famous case. There's like two or three that are really famous from the show. And there's one of a man named Josue. Josue called in to uh, La Mano Peluda 
and he told the original host, this man named uh, Juan, I can't remember his last name, um, that he had made a pact with some with a demon, um, some demons, maybe plural, uh, and he uh, in this pact he 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 made the pact for wealth. And indeed, within time after the pact, his family was very wealthy. And he was even granted a very, you know, expensive-looking ring by the entities. Um, and the only downside was that they made him do things. There was moments where he didn't feel like himself. He felt like he was a passenger watching as things happened. Instead, they made him do horrible, horrible things. Yet, they protected him from harm. So, despite the things that he did, he was never found, you know convicted or anything He'd like, like commit a crimes. crime but would yeah. never get arrested for it one yeah. of the things that he says that they made him do was kill his grandmother which this man claimed on air that he had done and yet he was never held accountable for it so he says that he wants to get rid of it now though because he's gone back on he stopped do trying doing their bidding the voices uh and uh he says that like he feels haunted and you can listen to this this um this interview and in the background you hear what sounds like laughter and voices uh like strange voices coming from uh his side so anyway he he tells all this story the call ends or whatever a little bit later maybe like a couple months or a year or two later he calls back in and he tells him that he has actually stopped having uh the visitations from the entities and that his life is much better. And he's now he's st- studying, uh, 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 fuck, what was it? Um, something to do with like, uh, bacterial organisms or something like that. Uh, bacteriology. I don't know. Anyway. Sure. So Juan, though, microbiology, I think that's a microbiology. So Juan says that he would love to interview him in person. So they set up this interview. Juan got a priest and a producer to come alongside with them. When they meet this guy, the guy shakes the producer and the priest's hand with his right hand, where he doesn't have the ring. But Juan, he shakes it with the hand with the ring. So Juan touches the ring, right? And um, a couple of days later, after their meeting, Juan would die suddenly of uh, gastrointestinal complications caused by bacteria. So within the field that this kid was studying... He dies from something related in that field, right? And he's replaced by another guy. The producer dies a little bit after that as well. Uh, in, uh, I'm trying to remember what it was. And this is, I'm paraphrasing, like I can't remember the exact details. And the priest also dies a week or two after that as well. So it's this really strange case because it's super spooky and then just what happened afterwards. And I think what yeah. I would definitely love to... to cover some of the cases that they did uh, in the future. So maybe be on the lookout for that. But with that, that's the end of this Lost Log. Um, thank you for listening. We're definitely going to continue this at some point. We'll come back and, you know, bird's eye view some other Mexican stories. There were supposed to be like six or seven in this episode, and then I didn't have time, so I just made these a little bit longer. Um, but we'll come back for those. Um, I hope that Mason enjoyed learning a little bit about his neighbors to the south and their strange mucho, little beliefs. Mucho gracias, Jose. De nada, Mason. De nada. What? Uh, I said, uh...
thank you everyone for listening. And um, day nada, everyone. <laughs> day nada. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week for another main show episode. Thank you to Mason and thank you to all the storytellers who have passed these stories down to us and scared the shit out of all these Latino kids. Thanks yeah. for the therapy, guys. Thanks mm-hmm. for the therapy. Way easier than parenting. I don't yeah. think I'm allowed to make that joke. <laughs> I know it's funny, but I don't feel like I'm the person who should make that. Better than parenting. <laughs> nice. I wish I was high on pot news. That was that. And I just did. I w- yeah. Well, but I wanted to. But you, you encouraged to it. it. Yeah. Yeah. You take that. Well, anyway. All right, guys. Stay safe out there. You know, close your windows so you don't hear the Yorona. Uh, stay away from fig trees and keep your hands under the covers lest la mano peluda come and get ya have a good night everybody we will see you next week bye Bye. or adios i should say oh